you. Uh, shall we pray before we dive in? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that you've given it to us to um, challenge us, to comfort us, to inspire us, to teach us. And Lord, we pray that you would give us soft hearts this evening as we hear your word. Lord, would you speak into each of our lives whatever it is that you need us to hear this evening. We want to say that we're available for you here, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good evening. It's a bit chilly in here, isn't it? I've been like rubbing my hands together. I hope you stay warm. Uh, I believe it was the Dalai Lama who was once quoted as saying, if you think you're too small to make a difference, you haven't spent a night with a mosquito. I guess we've all been there. Um, so we're going to be thinking this evening about making a difference. Um, so I guess we've all heard about our carbon footprint, something about how much carbon in the atmosphere each of us is responsible for, depending on what activities we're doing, how many flights we're taking, how much petrol we're using. Um, but tonight I want us to think about our kingdom footprint, the kingdom difference that we make as we travel through life, depending on how we are doing as, at being salt and light. And I need to start by telling you that I am not speaking on this because I am an expert in any way. In fact, I find this really challenging. How do I make a kingdom difference in my workplace where everybody's moaning about the boss? How do I make a difference there? How do I make a difference in Shepherd's Lane, where I live over the road? How does me being there make a difference for the kingdom? How do I make a difference where I play tennis or go shopping or whatever it is that I'm doing? And wow, how do I make a difference in my own family? I love Jesus and I fully believe that he is the answer to the problems that everybody I know is facing, all different problems. And I long for those people to meet Jesus and to know the, the presence of God with them. But I find it so hard to find ways to connect what is fully true and life-changing for me with the reality of their lives who have no idea of what it is that I hold within me. So how do I leave a kingdom footprint? Well, we're going to look at the, the first part of the passage that was read to us, um, verses 13 to 16, to see what Jesus has to say about this. And they're, they're famous words, aren't we? We've heard them lots of times. You are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. So when Jesus spoke these words, he was speaking to probably about 200 people on a hill in a dusty mountainside in Galilee. They were just ordinary people living ordinary lives. Most of them had probably never even left the region of Galilee. They were living in a country that was occupied by the Romans, so they didn't have a lot of choices. They didn't have much self-determination. They couldn't feel they had much of an influence on their lives around them. And yet, Jesus said to them, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. 
So he's in the middle, Jesus is in the middle of a conversation. We always kind of break these things down when we preach into little chunks, don't we? But actually this was one long sermon on the mount. And he's in the middle of this conversation where he started by sketching out what followers of Jesus look like. And they sound quite wonderful, don't they? Chris um, Redden spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. And you might think that that kind of person described in verses 1 to 10 of this chapter, the pure in heart, the merciful, the peacemakers, you'd think that the world would welcome them with open arms, wouldn't you? But actually, uh, in verse 11 and 12, Jesus talks about what happens when those people are going to be persecuted. They're not always going to receive a warm welcome. And Jesus knows that our tendency when we come across opposition or ridicule is to kind of retreat into our holy huddle, to the people that we feel safe with, to the people that share our values. I guess we all feel that pull and that kind of reluctance to put ourselves out there where we may be ridiculed or attacked for our beliefs. But what Jesus is saying when he says you're the salt of the earth and the light of the world is don't withdraw. The world needs you. He's reminding them of their calling. So the first thing he talks about is that they are the salt of the earth. And it's interesting because there's no, there's no kind of hint of you should try and become the salt of the earth. You should really try to get good at that. No, he's saying you are already the salt of the earth. It's your identity. It's not a kind of tick list behavior thing that you've got to try hard at. Yes, you can do a good job or a bad job of being salt, as he goes on to say, but it is who you are if you're a follower of Jesus. So the main use of salt in this context, which would have been what the people listening would have immediately thought of, was that salt was used as a preservative. So if you have a lump of meat in a hot country, it's not going to last very long without a fridge. And apparently they didn't have fridges at this time. So what they did was to cover it in salt, um, and that would preserve it. So Jesus is saying that his followers are the preservative of the world. That without followers of Jesus, this world would rot and stink and decompose and that we are here to stop that happening. I guess we all know that the natural way of things is for them to fall apart. I know we're all getting older, even the young ones are getting older. Uh, and you'll know that your bodies are starting to fall apart. They're creaking a bit, probably, if you're anything like me. You know, even the rocks and the coastlines are eroding. We know that relationships take a lot of work to keep them together. They don't just happen by accident. Left to themselves, they deteriorate. Even our own well-being takes work, doesn't it, to stay on an even keel. And of course, a young person's bedroom is a fabulous illustration of this tendency to chaos, if my young people are anything to go by. 
So it's no small thing for Jesus to say that we, his followers, are here to stop decay because decay is very real. And there was I thinking, I can't do much. I don't have much influence. But actually, we are a preserving agent for the whole world, preventing disintegration. So we're the salt of the earth. And then Jesus goes on to say, you are the light of the world. Well, when I read that, my first uh, thought went to when Jesus said that he is the light of the world. I wonder if that's where the people listening, if that's where their minds went as well. Jesus is the source of all light, of all goodness, of all truth. So when he claimed to be the light of the world himself, he was indicating that only by following him could we escape darkness, the darkness within us and around us. It was a shocking claim for anyone to make. I am the light of the world. It's astounding. But now he's saying that we are the light of the world. But it's a qualitatively different thing. We only have light because we're connected to the source of all light, Jesus. So in verse 15, Jesus says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. He's talking about a lamp, which would have been a bit like a bowl of oil with a wick floating in it. That's the sort of lamp that they would have been picturing. And it's only got light because it's been lit by another source. And we know that the story of the Bible is that people are trapped in darkness without God and without hope, until they're brought into a relationship with the light of the world. So as lamps, we are here to light the way to the source of the light, to point to our Heavenly Father, as he talks about at the end of verse 16, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The point is to point to the Father. That's what we're here for. And did you notice that this city that Jesus talks about, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. So the city has been placed on a hill on purpose. It wasn't an accident that the city ends up on the hill. It's so that everybody can navigate by the light of the city shining at night. So it's unmissable, it's visible. And I think that is a great reminder for us that God has placed us where we are for a reason. Just as that city is placed on a hill, we are placed deliberately where we are. It's no accident that you live in the house you live in. You might think it was your choice and all your own doing, but God was maneuvering you there. It's no accident that you work where you do with the colleagues that you have. It's no accident that you are in the family that you are. You're there for a reason, to point towards the source of light who can show people the way out of their darkness. So salt and light. I don't want Jesus to look at me and to see flavorless salt or light that's been put under a bucket, as this talks about. Because it is possible to be of no kingdom use and leave no kingdom footprint. Jesus says that. So what do I do 
to avoid missing this calling to be salt and light. Well, here's the challenging bit. It's the kind of how. That's always the thing we have to ask in a sermon, isn't it? Yes, but how? How do we do that? And I confess, sometimes I've read these verses and I've thought, yeah, yeah, the Christians need to be the really nice people. They need to be the people who are smiling and cheerful. And, you know, that's a good start. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But I think this is so much more than that. Because salt is potent. It stops decay. And light is powerful. It expels darkness. So leaving a kingdom footprint is about so much more than being nice. So there's some principles that I think are helpful. Of course, all of us are in different contexts with different personalities and different giftings. So there's no ABC of how to be good salt and light, but I think there are some principles. So the first principle is that we need to be connecting. So salt in a packet isn't much use. Salt on the side in my kitchen isn't any good for anything. Salt has to be sprinkled around the place for it to make any difference at all, whether it's for flavoring a meal or preserving a lump of meat. It's got to get out and interact with its environment. So salt and light are only useful when they're connecting with their context. And Jesus knew that our tendency, our desire often is to shrink back and to stay in our comfort zone and to play it safe. And that's why he needs to remind us. He's calling us to push outwards in the context he's placed us. And this will look so different for each of us here because who we connect with is so different. Maybe you feel like you don't have many connections. Maybe you feel isolated and unable to have much influence because of your life circumstances. There was a lady in our old church called Anne and she was, um, she was an unassuming kind of lady and she wasn't sure that she had a lot of impact for Jesus. And uh, I was having a conversation with her once, and she said something like, you know, I don't really do much. I go shopping, and I look after my husband, and I go to the shops, and I look after the grandchildren from time to time, and I, we got chatting. And it turned out that her oldest grandchild, um, every Sunday lunch, pretty much, would come round for lunch. Um, and Anne had been at church in the morning, and she would talk about what had happened in the service, tell her about what was going on, and the, the grandchild would, would ask questions, and eventually the grandchild started coming to church with her. And I, I kind of said to her, wow, you are having an amazing impact on that girl's life. She needed reminding that that's why she was in that family with those children, there were other grandchildren as well, who didn't yet know Jesus. She was having an impact. She was being salt and light. I wonder who we could be more intentional about connecting with to leave a kingdom footprint. Who is in our context who's waiting for salt and light to come into their life? Who could we step out of our comfort zone and connect with? 
so connecting. Secondly, we need to be different. Being salt and light in our context will mean looking different from people around us. You know, light is qualitatively and quantitatively different from darkness. And I know that that is a daunting prospect for some of us because it's a daunting prospect for me. I prefer to blend in and keep below the radar and have people like me. Others of you might be a lot more comfortable with confrontation and will find this easier than me. But I know that I need to be okay with taking a stand sometimes. I need to let the light within me shine and not be afraid of the response that I get. Because there's something amazingly provocative about somebody just humbly and sincerely holding to their convictions, isn't there? There was a girl, I work in a school, there was a young teacher there who just left in the summer who um, got engaged just before term ended in the summer. Um, and everybody, she was a Christian, everybody uh, was expecting her to move in with her boyfriend and then get married in a few years' time. And it was just a really interesting conversation when she was talking about, no, we're not going to move in together, we're going to get married in about three months' time because we, we don't want to live with each other before we get married, but we want to get on with it. So, and it just raised a lot of questions. And that is a great example of just being salt and light. She was just very clear about what she believed and why she was doing what she was doing. She was, she was prepared to stand up and be different. I wonder if there are areas in our life when we, where we find that difficult. We find ourselves giving in to compromise, maybe just keeping quiet when we could speak up because we want to blend in. So, we need to connect with people around us. We need to be okay with being different sometimes. And we need to be generous. Here's um, the message translation of, of this last bit of the passage. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God this generous Father in heaven. Keep open house, be generous with your lives. We serve a God who gave everything for us to the extent that he was willing to sacrifice his only son so that we could come back into relationship with him. So generosity, self-giving, sacrifice are at the core of his being. We've received everything that we have, both materially and spiritually, from our Heavenly Father. But it's not so that we can hoard it. You'll know that one of the themes of the Bible is that we've been blessed so that we can be a blessing. And being salt and light is fulfilling that calling to bless. And as I was preparing this, I was thinking that in our culture, a profound way that we can leave a kingdom footprint and a way that we can be sacrificially generous is with our attention and our time with people. When we treat others with dignity, 
when we truly listen to people, when we notice them, when we're welcoming, when our attitude prefers others' needs to our own. It's a huge blessing when someone gives us their undivided attention, isn't it? Don't you feel that kind of being heard and seen? It's really powerful. And we can afford to be generous, to give our attention and our love fully, because we have a God who has so generously poured his love into our hearts so that it can overflow to others. And I wonder, actually, if we don't have a great opportunity to practice this here at church so that we get really good at it when we go out there. So do we come to church looking for people we can bless? Visitors, strangers, people who are different from us, people we don't know. I was thinking, you know, coming into church should be a startlingly different experience than walking into a pub or into an adult education class or wherever it is we might go. It should be totally different. There should be people who are waiting to welcome us and find out about us and hear our story and tell our story to. You know, Jesus said, by this all people will know you're my disciples if you love one another. This is the place to practice so that we can go out there and do it really well. So let's be generous with ourselves, both in here and out there. So, you're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I find that inspiring. I'm excited to be who God has called me to be. And actually, this strategy is how the early church exploded in growth, particularly famously when uh, there were the plagues in Rome and the Christians in the early days decided to stay and look after the sick. They chose to do these things. They connected with the people around them who were sick and dying. They chose to be different by not leaving Rome when they could have very easily. They chose to stay and look after those who were ill. And they gave themselves with sacrificial generosity. And it triggered the explosive growth of Christianity as non-believers were pointed towards their Father in heaven. And of course, it's happening around our community in Stoughton as well. If you were here last week, we saw people being baptized who had come to know Jesus recently. It was amazing. It was so encouraging. And all of those people will have had people who had been salt and light for them, who had pointed them to the Heavenly Father. We can all play our part in this. How much difference could we as a community of believers make in Stoughton and in Guildford? How much of a kingdom footprint could we leave if we're each prepared to be salt and light in our interactions? Points of light all around Stoughton and beyond, bringing glory to our Father in heaven as others come to the source of the light. Shall we stand as we just ask God to 
to come and meet with us because, of course, all of this we need. We need the Holy Spirit in us so that he can flow out of us. So let's just um, have a moment of quiet and ask the Holy Spirit to come and to fill us again. Come, Holy Spirit, would you come and water the seed that you have sown in our hearts through your word. Come, Holy Spirit. <clears throat>